I've never had as busy of a weekend than those fucking guys had <laughs> in my life. Sound like a fucking loser. I um, Mister, I would have gone to bed at yeah, nine. Mister, Mister, let's let me just hang out with Willoughby and watch Twilight Zone, motherfucker. Yeah, it's almost ten o'clock. Can we hear the fuck up? Hey guys, welcome to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David, and today I finally watched Everybody Wants Some. And today we have my wife, Taylor, here solely because Everybody Wants Some is her favorite movie. Right, babe? Yeah. Hello. And so much like we did last week with Bloodsport, uh... Taylor actually showed David and his wife years ago. Everybody wants some. Uh, I tried was, to. Well, we did not. Uh, we weren't convinced that David and Ashley were as invested in the film as we would have liked them to be. But uh, th- let's look at this as a second chance for David, um, and and he'll give us his opinion on what he truly thinks of. Everybody wants some. Well, so, I mean, Taylor, as I explained to you several times after that day that uh, Ashley and I were fighting, that's why she didn't like the movie or, or say anything. Um, and I've I've reminded her that, like, I was, you know, I've said, like, oh, you should rewatch it. And she's like, no, nah, I don't really I don't really want to. But she doesn't even remember what the fight was about, nor am I going to remind her. Um, but I liked it when we watched it then. I thought it was good. I was just dealing with, you know, all of that at the time, so. Well, what's your what's your opinion on it uh, now? I mean, are we sure this is a good movie? Uh, <laughs> very funny. Very funny. I mean, no, it's- so it's directed by Richard Linklater, who has done a lot of really great films. Um, he's he did the Before trilogy. He did um, Days and Confused is probably what he's most famous for. Boyhood, uh, the the Newton Boys, yeah, and. Um, of course, School of Rock and Bad News Bears, but uh, which I hate. You can't just lump those two movies together. Okay, let me clarify. School of Rock is a masterpiece. It is. Let me clarify. Bad News Bears is the movie I hate. Um, but yeah, so I mean, he he is a director who I feel like focuses on characters more than plot most of the time and really knows how to bring out the best in actors in like uh, through certain roles. Um, But yeah, so you can't, you can't sit there, David and say, it's not a good movie. No, it is a good movie. I actually, so I was thinking about this, like there is no discernible plot to this movie whatsoever. I mean, it's a hangout movie and I think in other hands, it wouldn't, necessarily be good which then led me down the the rabbit hole and i texted my uh garrett about this your your garrett well i was gonna say my friend and i was like i call him garrett every time i say who it is so um, although he hasn't been on the pod in forever so what the fuck's that about dude but um who's the best like director of hangout movies and i think it's obviously richard linklater but like the other options are i think quentin tarantino um 
with Jackie Brown and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, all those those have plots, so maybe a little too plot heavy. He brought up Judd Apatow, um, which I think is a good one, but those are also just like kind of strict comedies. Whereas like this is only a comedy in the fact that it's like not a drama. And I think the only other comparable, and I don't, I just don't think I think people love him, but he's not on the same level to me, is Kevin Smith. Yeah, I can see that. I and I agree, he's not on the same level. I um, but but even Clerks has has. I feel like Clerks has more plot than than this film. Not to say that I I think this film does have a plot. It's like the preparation the 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 weekend before they get ready for class, right? And and then if you want to find like an actual story, it's the blooming romance that happens between the main character, Jake and Beverly <laughs> 45 minutes into the film. Um, and then, and then to the end from there. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I think Taylor, the part of the reason that this is your favorite film is because you love hangout films. I do. I, I love hangout films and I, I like that it's so character driven because you just it's like a less than two hour long movie and by the end of the movie you feel like you've known these people for years and i just love that there's just something so it feels so good about that well and for taylor's sake it doesn't help that they're like all hot guys that's not true (laughs) that's not necessarily true didn't hurt me either do you want to give the quick story on how we how we so happened to come <laughs> upon this movie? Yeah, so it was like the middle of the day on a Saturday, and we were walking around um, the promenade in L.A., and we were next to a movie theater, and we had nothing to do, and we said, we'll just go in, and whatever's playing, we'll just walk in to yeah. whatever is playing. We go up to the maitre d', and we're like, what's playing? Okay, sounds good. Yeah, and I, I let Alon pick because there were a few that were like within like a 30-minute range of playing. So I let Alon pick. And he comes back and he tells me it's called Everybody Wants Some. And I look it up and it says it's a sports movie. And I hate, like, not that I hate sports movies because there's a, there's a few select good sports movies, but I don't usually like sports movies. And I was like, you just ruined my Saturday. This is the worst thing you could have possibly picked is this sports movie i was mad you chose that movie we watched the movie we walked out of the movie and i turned to you and i went that's my favorite movie (laughs) yeah you liked it immediately and then i liked it okay like i was like yeah it's a it was a pretty good movie and i think we actually recently watched at that time we recently watched days and confused and man that was no we didn't watch days and confused until after because really i had not even seen school of rock no, that you haven't. Was, you actually saw School of Rock I like in the, like last year. Last couple of years, yeah. But it was it was the first Richard Linklater film that I ever saw, and I had never like really heard of that type of movie. And I was like, "Wow, this I, is something I've never experienced." So then we watched Days and Confused. I really thought we watched Days and Confused before, but I guess that doesn't make sense, David. It's been so long since I've seen Days and Confused. Did that have? More of a plot than everybody wants them. Uh, 
slightly maybe i mean no it's just like the last days of high school i actually saw this movie i didn't see days and confused until really late uh and i think after this movie um and that one's awesome too by the way and yeah i like this movie too just uh i was just fucking around because of Bloodsport, but um this is a good movie it's funny because it's not like it's like blood sports your favorite film and and everybody wants some is taylor's favorite film and i'm kind of just like you know the middleman on both but for some reason your vendetta against me is attacking taylor's favorite movie that's just it's just the victim in the way it's the collateral damage if i'm you will. sorry babe terrible um but i mean so yeah, I and I kind of like. I think Richard Linklater himself said that this is almost like the unverified sequel to Days and Confused, where it's like Days and Confused is about high school in the '70s, and this is about college in the '80s. Um, and then if you read all of the critical like um, uh, like one-liners to um, from from reviewers, the, <laughs> everyone is like dazed and confused, but set in the '80s. I was like, it's not really like telling you what this movie is about, but sure, I guess. No, that's even on the cover of the DVD is like Days and Confused meets 80s. And then we watched Days and Confused and I was like, no, this is nothing like Days and Confused. There's parallels. There's parallels, right? It's like Matthew McConaughey's character in Days and Confused wants high school poo-tang all the time. And then these guys want to have sex all the time hence the name everybody wants some um so that's what they're after and then there's like a getting high scene in each one but like it's the 70s and 80s so if you're going to write those films of course you're going to write about like there's going to be sex and drugs in in those films i feel like saying that the the movie being called everybody wants some and they all want sex all the time and that's why the movie's called everybody wants some i don't think that's correct in your opinion, why, why, why is it called Everybody Wants Some? I think it's about... I think it's more about them wanting acceptance. Them wanting to find themselves. Like self-acceptance, but also acceptance into like a group. Into um, the team. Into a relationship. Into themselves. It's all about like just wanting to be accepted. Everybody wants some attention. David, do you agree? What's your what's your opinion on the title? Yeah, I agree with Taylor. <laughs> no, I mean it's it's like a double entendre, right? It's everybody wants some. It's the surface level of like Finn specifically is just wanting sex. Um but then yeah, like the undercurrent of what Taylor's saying, especially how like you know, our main character played by Brody Jenner um brody jenner mm-hmm. and that's bruce. bruce no not <laughs> yeah yeah Is blake jenner blake, blake jenner. jenner okay we were both wrong and that's okay we accept that is brody well you know actually this led me to a thought of like do you think his career has struggled somewhat with that last name because i don't think he's related at all he's not related at all and i always think he is every time i hear his name I know, so it's. I, I wonder if that like negatively affects his ability to like get good roles because he's good in this. Um, but his character, you kind of lump him in with the rest of these guys, and then you kind of realize towards the end, um, like the conversation where they're like floating in the river, like that he is like kind of different than the rest of them. Um, 
and so like you know i think you have finn's character who is like the surface level of what the 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 title of the movie means and then you have like brody jenner over here blake jenner who's like you know what's what he's actually after you know uh, yeah i mean also like everybody wants some is obviously the title of a van halen song that came out in the 80s that's all about sex too so obviously there's some correlation to it but like what we changed the subject like eight minutes ago <laughs> no i'm just saying like i but what i'm saying is that yes there are characters like finn played by uh glenn powell that all they're after is sex and and hence the title from the 80s song by van halen but then on a deeper surface who sings the song what's this who's the song by on a deeper level by the you know, like um, taking from the the main character Jake, yeah, I agree with you, David. It's it's probably on a deep deeper level than we first realized when we're introduced to the character. I disagree. <laughs> I'm just gonna disagree with everything you say. Okay, pray. No, go ahead. Elaborate. What do you disagree with? I disagree with that every that he's different from everybody. I don't think that's true. I think that we are shown on screen because he has private conversations with someone not on the team that we get to see that. But I think the insinuation was that any of these dudes, if you were to get them alone with someone that they really care about, that they're all way more than just these you know, yeah, overconfident, sex-crazed jocks. Right. Well, and and also, like, for for example, I I think we do have a moment with each character that kind of breaks them down at that level. And then the hardest one to do that is probably Glenn Powell's character, Finn. But I, I think we also just, we get that at the very end with him, too. So, I, you know, we... We get it with everyone a little bit. As it's also how they're written, right, David? Like, there's some characters and actors in this movie that are given way more priority than some other other ones. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you ever see, unless you think that uh, Glenn Powell's character, Finn, actually is a big astrology guy. I don't think you ever get, like, a view of him just actually caring about a woman. You know what I mean? Maybe that's like a deleted scene later on. No, I don't even think it's like, I don't think you get that personal touch with him with a woman. I think you get it with his buddies. Yeah. Like in that scene where he's talking about astrology and they call him out, I think you get kind of him like the layers peeled back when he's kind of upset about it. Um, Okay, so uh, we'll probably just get into the plot now. It starts out with our introduction to Jake coming up to the... I'm just going to call it the frat house. I know they're not a frat. They're a baseball team, but I'm not going to call it the baseball team house. Uh, it's, a, baseball it's a frat house. house. You can call it the baseball house. Uh, you know what the, the very beginning of this reminded me of is... Um, so he's driving through the town and just basically checking out women's asses and yep. women in general. And it reminded me that um, when I went to law school, I went in Gainesville and uh, people would always talk about how like they were just fender benders every August 
because like guys would be like looking at the new girls that were on campus, like on the main road. And just like that, it was like a known thing that happened of like, you had to like make sure you didn't hit the person in front of you. Um, so that just like reminded me of that. Cause he is just like fucking staring at everybody as he comes in. Like the, like, the going from high school to to college and like having that freedom. I'm just like being like the, the pent up hormones. I think like that little scene is kind of perfect just to show like his rolling into town. No, I think, I think it's a good, it's a good character introduction, but it's also a good like movie introduction. Like this is what it's about. It's like the, the coming of age of these characters in this age range um, I every time I have like a a, a while between I um, between the time I've seen this movie, I always remember all of them in the car driving around picking up Zoe Ditch Ditch Deutsch Deutsch. Yeah, okay, picking up Zoe Do- uh, Deutsch and checking out her room number. I always remember that as the first scene. Um, I'm I always forget the waterbed scene. But it, the waterbed scene is so good because it does such a great job introducing the main characters. Like it, there's a there's a bar scene later on, a little bit later on, that introduces like the rest of the gang. But this is like the core character introduction with um, oh my god, what Coma Roper? No, uh, sorry, Coma Coma was at the bar. It's Roper. Coma. Dale, Dale, Finn, and we see, then... Jay, we see Jay when he walks up. McReynolds, yep. Mm-hmm. Uh, Willoughby, Buter Perkins, Buter Perkins, and oh, you said Dale. Mm-hmm. And there was a, oh no, that was Finn. Yeah, so those those are the guys. Mm-hmm. You know oh, what? Tyler Tyler Hochland's character. I forget his name. It's uh, McReynolds. McReynolds. Okay. He looks like I was looking this up right now because they're obviously like not that close. Well, yeah, he looks like his older brother in this movie could be Billy Crudup. (laughs) I agree. Like with the long hair, I was like, who the fuck is that guy? Even though you told me he was in this, I was like, who is that? And like you said it again and it finally like clicked. I think his character is kind of the one that I appreciated the most like. I think he's the one that my opinion of from the beginning of the movie to the end changes the most. Whereas Finn uh, is basically the same guy throughout, like does not change to me at all. Um, Maybe you just get like a little bit more information on him, but like uh, Hodgson's character, I think is really good. Would you say like from his character development, to, from like the game of ping pong to him having the talk to Jay about like, don't be such a douche pitcher like that kind of development. Well, it's not a development. It's just, it's just like the audience seeing who he is. And it's also like us seeing like why someone like Roper, but the rest of the team kind of respects him so much. And like you would in the beginning, you're like, Oh, why do we put up with this shit? But it's like there's this subtle thing when they get in the fight at the bar and Roper tells him, hey, like, stay away. And I'm like, oh, is it because he's like your best player? And it's like maybe it could be part of that. But it's also just like, a, you know, they all one, He's going to become a pro. So they don't want to fuck up his, you know, his ability to make money later on. But two, like the way he handles Jay and then after like 
hitting a home run off of him and the way he talks shit to him. But then when Jay comes up to him and doesn't even apologize and he accepts his apology without even getting it. Um, and then the way like he Jay smacks him on the ass and there's just a little smile he gets like he got a kick out of helping the team. Yeah. And like it's just like that's who you want to be your leader. And I like I think that's so uh, I guess Linklater played baseball in like high school, college. And so like I think a lot of like the sports stuff he got really right in this. Even the uh, the scout, the scout who's uh, pretending to be painting the uh, the trim off the house. I still don't know if that's real. I don't know. I don't <laughs> it's think definitely it not real. It's definitely not real. Uh, I don't know. I mean, do you know it's not real? I do. Also, this I is not I a thing. Thin <laughs> enough to know that it's not real. This isn't a thing that I can discuss with you as much, but. There are definitely like good baseball players in this movie and bad baseball players from just the one scene. And so Hotchlin and the guy that plays Roper played college baseball. And you can tell that they're really fucking good. And then the other kid that was pretty good is the freshman with like long curly hair. He like threw one time and I was like, oh, that's good. But then you have like and uh, Jenner. I think Jenner threw pretty well, although he threw a lot of balls that were called strikes. But Willoughby did not look like he could play baseball all that well. When when I told Taylor that Willoughby is played by Wyatt Russell, the same guy who plays U.S. agent in uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier show, she we were like, she she still couldn't see it. Like, even throughout <laughs> the movie, she couldn't see it. Halfway through the movie, I was like, you know what's... It, what's crazy about this movie is like a lot of these actors aren't in a lot of other things. Right. And so, and the character like building is so good, not character building, but like the, they're so fleshed out mm -hmm. that you forget that these are actors and you just assume that they're just kind of just hanging out and not really putting any effort into the acting. Like, this is just who they are. They just casted them based on, like, how similar they were to the character, and they're just kind of chilling. And getting that information that he <laughs> was U.S. soldier, I was like, oh, shit, he's acting in this, and he's <laughs> doing really good. I feel like he's doing a lot, and I also think Glenn Powell was doing, like, a lot. Like, his was kind of the character that the most felt like not that it was not a real person, but it was kind of a caricature a little bit. You know what I mean? Like a larger than life kind of person. I feel like every single one of them was what you just described. I mean, I feel like, but Jake like isn't. Good, well, like good characters, I think they're all based in truth. And Jake kind of has to be our normal guy, right? Because he's the main character. So we have to relate to him in a, in the audience has to relate to him in a certain way. But then I think outside of that, everyone is based in truth but is also larger than life like like finn like like mcreynolds like all of them oh my god jay is the most ridiculous character though he is and i and i think we all yeah, know I, someone I, like that i take that back it is jay it is jay but we all know someone like that maybe to not that extreme but that's a that's a crazy there's this i think my favorite line in the movie is where they get out of the, I think it's the Jolly Fox, or maybe it's the sound. Sound machine. Sound machine. And they get kicked out, right? Jay's like, oh, okay, cool. And they're like, no, 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 you're not coming with us. 
And he's like, okay, that I, I'm going to run home. And he runs home. And as he's running home, he goes, <laughs> don't check your pillows. And then uh, I think Finn is like, what, what does that mean? What, the, what does that mean? <laughs> yeah. No, that's really good. I, um, I think one of my, a couple of my favorite lines were, um, during the baseball later on. And this is kind of funny because it's like, this movie takes place in, in 1980. So it's a little bit like anachronistic, but it doesn't actually like matter. Right. But, um, so during batting practice, McReynolds calls Jay meat, which is like a, a reference to bull Durham, which happens after this in the nineties. But then also, Jay at one point goes, you want me on this mound, which is definitely fucking a few good men, which also didn't come out in 1980. But just those two, like, I, li- I like those, like, back to back in their, like, movie references. But this movie, like, the whole thing is just, like, great line after line. Um, and I, I said to you, I was like, it's going to be hard to go kind of beat by beat, but it's, like, because yeah. it is just a hangout movie. Um but I but think, it's... like, for all the scenes that we're talking about now, we could go through this movie uh, scene by scene, come up to those scenes, and still find more stuff to talk about with with different characters in each of those scenes. Another good one is by Willoughby, where he's just like, um, I, I wrote this one down, too. They're, they're getting high, and he goes, um, uh, what is it? He goes... Finding the tangents within the artistry. It sounds like something you would have said to a girl at a bar. While high. My favorite line was like, fucking on a waterbed is like fucking a girl on top of another very fat girl. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so afterwards is is one of my favorite scenes. The, the scene I always get confused to the beginning is they're driving around um, and they're uh, singing... Um, uh oh fuck what's that song david you were born during this era what's that song i don't remember what they're singing i said hip hop don't stop that was it says a bang bang boogie okay um but yeah so they're they're uh they're driving around trying to pick up chicks and then I love the the turnaround cars. Finn comes up and he's like, I couldn't help but see that you girls were being harassed by that guy in the car back there. That All the time. Well, uh, that's Coma. Or is that Roper? Roper. Yeah, Roper like has his head down. Like, um, But yeah, this is where we get introduced to Beverly and the romance between her and Jake, the quiet guy in the middle in the back um kind of start it's funny because they have like their introduction here but then like 45 minutes of the movie go by and then uh there's the phone call with them and then pretty much the rest of the movie at that point is their relationship but it's funny how this seed is planted and then just not revisited for like the bulk of the movie yeah you're not even sure it'll come back up Right, like the first time you see this, and he, I was right because I knew who Zoe Deutsch was, and it's like a you know you don't have her in that role if you're not going to have her come. She's probably 
the most recognizable person at the time this movie came out, I would say. Maybe, because then I read on somewhere that this was her big break. I Well, no, because no, she was in uh, fucking Vampire Academy before this, which, I don't know. That was, like, honestly, probably... I, I wouldn't call that anyone's big break. It was a detriment to her career. Have I ever told you... So, uh, Ashley and I were, when we were dating, she chose the movie for Valentine's Day, and I let her choose Vampire Academy. And like 15 minutes into the movie, she turns to me and she goes, I am so sorry. She's like, <laughs> At least can, she knew. At least she, she was like, She was like, we can leave if you want. And I was like, no, at least Zoe Deutsch is really hot. So no, I didn't say that part. But that was like, that movie's maybe one of the worst movies I've ever seen in theaters. And so it is nice to see her in this and like, you know, not, not just have that be the only thing I saw her in for so long and just be like, I... Because that movie's awful. I last night we found out that Zoe Deutsch is the daughter of uh, Leah Thompson, and that was that was new news to me. I'm glad yeah, you got that there. Was news to me also, but now that you say that, it looks she looks exactly like her mom. Yep. Yeah, like you can definitely see it after the fact. Um, I also like the uh, the Glenn Powell line of like. Uh, if you were smart, you would have noticed the typewriter when like uh, Roper first tries to hit on her, and then and then uh, Jake is like, "Hey, I want to see what room she goes in." And he's like, "Oh, this went from cute to restraining order real quick." <laughs> it's like another great line. Um, I I also really like Dale in this scene. They're like, he, I don't know why Jake thinks that they would help him at this moment. But he's like, oh, her room number is 307. Help me remember that. And Dale's <laughs> like, yeah, it's 309, 12, 3012, Right after this plumbers, they say like something like a joke. And he's like, I got your joke right here. And they're like, did you just call his dick a joke? <laughs> um, so now we head over to the Fox bar. And uh, this is where we meet the rest of the guys. We meet the guy you met in Atlanta. Nesbit. Ne- meet Nesbit. We meet that um, that curly hair freshman that you were talking about earlier, David. I still don't know his name. Uh, who cares? Um, and then Coma. We meet Coma. Yeah, I mean, Coma's always around. Brumley, I think, is the freshman's name. Okay. Who else? Is that I think Brumley and Nesbitt are probably the focus of this scene, like the character introduction and they're there. Oh, we meet Jay, too. This is where we meet. Well, this is where we officially meet Jay, not just like uh, working his hand out on the uh, porch steps of the second frat house. But um, I think we really meet Jay. Like, I guess we see him here, but we really meet him like in the coaches meeting after this. Like that's like a really kind of pivotal one too, where it's maybe like the only plot, like plot presentation in the movie of like, hey, uh, no drinking in your rooms and no sex in your rooms, like no girls up there. We don't want to lose the houses. And so then it's like, all right, the movie is like having sex and drinking in our rooms. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like they have the fornication room that I I love too. Like. I, they're all buddies, right? And but I would say the only true antagonist is probably um, Buter, like directed 
directly towards Jake. It's he's the guy who's constantly like fucking up his mojo. Like won't dude when he comes in. Okay, first of all, his introduction is hilarious. He's just in his tidy whities But then later on, when Jake tries to go to the room to like hook up with that girl, he's just there with like two of his other cowboy uh, hat toting friends. And I'm like, this is the lamest get together I've ever seen. Um, they he was telling his friends a story and they thought it was so great and hilarious. And they started doing that hand thing that's like pretending oh, yeah, like yeah. you're smacking the top of dip and it makes that noise. And I up until that point, I thought that just like everybody in high school and college, like just did that. Like I <sighs> thought that everybody in the whole world, that was like a thing. And I turned to Alon and I was like, did your whole high school do that? And he was like, no. And I think that's when I realized that I went to a redneck high school. Well, my high school also just consisted of two people. But <laughs> but the, the the most times I've ever seen people do that, like, uh, you know, that becoming popular was in college. I didn't I didn't see I didn't see the rise of that in high school. But I wonder if I wonder if it's just demographically like, yeah, you probably you probably were. In a more beautiful part of town. I really was. Um, I like the uh, when Buter says he's going to have to leave because he thinks his girlfriend's pregnant. And then I forget what the first bet was. And Finn's like, that's a bad bet. Why would you make that bet? He's like, a better bet would be like, is he related to, uh, to, you know, to his girlfriend? And the guy's like, okay, first cousins. Bet your first cousin. He's like, that's also a bad bet. I'm going to take that bet. And then the other guy's like, I don't know if that's a bad bet. And he's like, oh, really? <laughs> Um, it, it, when, when they, at this point, I think they're at the, um, no, they're not at the sound machine yet because they go, there's another house party that happens here, but I want to talk about that now. So there's another house party that, that they're like, when they're going around and we meet Zoe Deutsch, they're inviting all these girls and they're like, when's the party? And there's like, as soon as you come baby and stuff like that. And so they have this huge party. And they're, they come back from the bar and bring all the girls with them. Um, but there's this one where, so Jake is up in his room trying to convince Billy Buter uh, to get out. And then the girl that he picked up from the bar, he goes back. And that curly haired freshman guy is dancing with her. And he's like, he's like, beat it. <laughs> and the and the facial expression he makes is this like, oh, you okay like the guy is just happy to be there like there's no i could like there's no drama with that character one of the funny things is mcreynolds later on is like making fun of uh mcreynolds like uses a ton of cologne and they laugh at him and he's like all right if you guys want to keep doing the five knuckle shuffle and he's like what's that and mcreynolds like mimes jacking off and the and Brumley's like, oh that's hilarious and then Plummer's like you're so fucking desperate and he's like yeah desperate for pussy (laughs) and then and then as soon as everyone leaves the room as after he says that he takes the cologne and like like pours it down his pants he actually he is like he is a great part of the movie brumley even though he didn't know his name he is like a good part of it I think what this movie does well too, and there's a couple of I, I feel like honestly cringe scenes in this movie that I'm just like, 
I don't know if the writing is lacking or if they're just meaning it to be this, this awkward. And it's mostly to do with the, the scenes with Blake Jenner and Zoe Deutsch. Deutsch. Um, but there's also other scenes in this movie where it's so cringe and so awkward, but it's, you know that they're purposely, like he's purposely writing it that way um, because of who these guys are. And, and I can't think of a more cringe, <laughs> cringe scene than with Jay trying to get a screwdriver at the bar and the guy flicks the lime. He goes, did you just flick a lime in my screwdriver? What does he call him? Pancho, Pancho Villa. And then he thinks it's kind of over. And then the guy attacks him. Um, yeah, that's a great scene. It's a great Anything scene. Anything that Jay ever says is super cringe. Yeah, I mean, that is the point. I don't think that's bad writing. Yeah. I think he's... No, I don't think that's bad writing. I think that's purposely he's cringe and I love it. the raw fucking dog. I mean... They call me the raw dog! I love how he's it's just, like, it's like, why do you, did they call you the raw dog? Because <laughs> I'm the raw fucking dog. <laughs> I like when he asks that girl, like, do you know why they call me the raw dog? And she's like, starts walking away and he's like, because I'm the fucking raw dog. Uh, there are, like, before that fight scene, there's were a couple like lines I really liked. One is the Finn, like, telling the girls about his average size cock and them explaining why that works, which is really funny. And then you just sort of under the breath hear him because he's not the focus of the scene but you hear finn like i'm a grower not a shower guys (laughs) but the other one is um when nez is pitching to mcreynolds and uh with the axe oh yeah Yeah. and then he's like this is the best day of my life until tomorrow i just love the fucking cockiness from him of like every day is the best day of my life there's there's just small little lines like just little tiny conversations people have they're not even fully on camera. Like the camera is already panning away to a different character. And these characters are still talking. But sometimes it's just like the juiciest little line. And one of those is uh, the camera is literally panning away from them, picking up the half cut, like the freshly half cut baseball from McReynolds. And one guy goes, do you know how strong you have to be for this? It's quick bat, quick bat speed. I think in order to make that happen. So I um the other thing I like about this movie too, is just the uh, like, we never, I don't think we repeat uh, like a club bar scene. Like first it's the Fox. Then they go to the disco the next night, maybe, or like later, I think it's I the next like, night. I feel like we're in the sound machine twice. At least we are, we are right. Okay. Yeah. The first so, time it all goes really great. They pick up a lot of girls who yeah. also just came and are also kind of thirsty. Oh, they just and came. Then, and then the second time they come, they can't get anybody to talk to them. What I was saying is it they go to a bunch of different places. You have disco. The first of all, there's just a bar, then disco, then country, right? And then the punk part is kind of my favorite because you don't really expect that like when that happened. I think in a movie you kind of expect like the baseball guys to be like, Oh, what the fuck you hang out with this guy. And he's like the, the like afternoon special movie where they're like, he has to choose between his high school friends who's weird and his new friends. But instead Finch is like, fuck yeah, let's like, we'll drink with these guys and coma's a little, but my point is just like, it all actually leads to kind of a point. The movie's trying to make where Jake is like, is it Jake or Blake? What's his real name? Jake. 
Jake is his character name. Blake is his real name. Where Jake, it's fucking confusing. Should have given him a different name once he signed on for this. Where Jake is like, isn't this kind of fucking, you know, pathetic that we're just changing who we are in order to like, and you know, uh, Finn makes this this comment about no, you got to adapt to to get. It's adaptation, get. man. It's 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 you know, it's the mother nature. Kingdom. It's the animal kingdom. But I think the other point of the movie is just like the way that, and it's all done in a three day period, and in this case, an hour and fifty minute movie. But to just show you, kind of like, you know, in high school, you're stuck in these kind of cliques. Yeah, at least a lot of people are. But then in college. No one really gives a shit about that, and, and it's I, like I, you, you're just you're just there to have fun and like try new things, and it's like a much more freer experience, you know, than high school. And I and I do love how Finn is the the forefront of this whole movement, um, from one thing to the other for like the whole group of guys, and and I also love that there's just no like um, changing of the costume scene. They're just like, yeah, hey, we're gonna go home and change. We'll meet you at the country bar, and it's just like. They just all own cowboy hats. They're just prepared. The, the or, most... or do you think because uh, Billy Autry is uh, checking in on his girlfriend, do you think they broke into his room and he had like 12 cowboy hats and they all stole his cowboy hats? That one. That one? Yeah. So, it, David, if you were part of this crew, I, you would just it. wear the same T-shirt and shorts to every club. Yeah, well, I'm not going to clubs, first of all. You know, I'm just fucking go to bed at nine o'clock at night as I'm like listening to records and then I guess watching VHSs or Betamax tapes with yeah, me and Willoughby are just fucking watching the uh the Twilight, <laughs> the Twilight Zone. Zone. Fucking the, ep- high. the episode he described about the Twilight Zone, I was like, that is a good fucking episode. <laughs> yeah. And I love how he just knew the season and the episode and the name and everything about it. Um, so, okay, so now... Fun fact, the guy yeah. who plays Willoughby, his father acted in The Twilight Zone. Oh. Oh. That's a fun fact. Um, I think now would be a good point with just like mentioning all the bar scenes, all the different bar scenes, how great the music is in this whole movie. Like, not just like the well-known music, but just like, even like the the compo- the composing beats for like the quieter scenes, like everything is just really well done. Even like when the well-known music of the era comes on, it it feels like someone's playing it on vinyl in a corner. It doesn't feel like it's like a uh, a movie soundtrack. It it just feels like uh, uh, pretty planted in the scene. And I mean, it's the 80s. It's like, I feel like everyone's always playing music, uh, like, realistically back then. So, I don't know. I just, I wanted to give a shout out to the to the soundtrack of the movie. I think it's really good. We're now at my favorite scene, I think. Unless you, well, have to, you want to go back. But it's the ping pong scene. It's my favorite scene. Oh, I'm not. Really? Really? Yeah, I just love how pissed uh McReynolds gets Hotchlin gets and just like all the guys being there because like you know McReynolds just doesn't lose and so someone's beating him at something and they're all fucking enjoying it because of like how mad he gets and uh, you know and like they're not receiving the ire of his rage I don't know I just it's so fun like it's such a funny scene to me and it's also just like 
it kind of sh- like ping pong how- ping pong is kind of a game that like you can be really good at and you can beat most people and then like then you just find someone who's like oh i can't even like fucking touch what he does you know what i mean like it's, there's like so many like levels to it where you're just like can get your ass kicked by someone and not even know it like see it coming when uh McReynolds is walking off and jake goes but my dad used to pl- play a lot like <laughs> trying to make an excuse on like why he's so good um but before the scene is uh is a couple of a couple of scenes that i just want to go back over so uh Jake goes into his room and finds Nesbit and um oh who who's wearing his shirt? A uh, Roper. Roper. Mm-hmm. And uh Roper takes his shirt, whatever. But how weird Nesbit is he taking his record is like, you better not scratch. He's like, what? What? He's like, what? He's like, what? And then just like disappears. I think that's one of your favorite moments. Nesbitt? That whole scene is so great when he walks in and Roper's like, I got the best cheese on campus. <laughs> it comes up to me and they go, wow, you got the best cheese on campus. And it's, Jake's like, could those pants be any tighter, dude? <laughs> Roper's like borderline uh, Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs. Like in that, <laughs> in that. And then the other thing is I was thinking is, Nesbit is like really lucky that Jay is on the team because otherwise he is the Jay of that team. He's like the second weirdest guy. So all of the weirdness is deflected on Jay. And without Jay, everyone's like, this fucking Nes guy is real fucking weird. No. Yes. Who else? Who who's, no. who's who Peter else? Perkins? Okay, all right. But I mean he's never there. He's dealing with pregnant lady. Yeah. But I I think it's Peter Perkins. But Nesbitt is probably one of my favorite characters. He He's yeah. so bizarre. That's I just I feel like... But, but he's not bizarre in, like, a cringe way. He's just bizarre in, like, I don't know. <laughs> it's just weird. I, I also mm-hmm. think, uh, going back a little forward, the, the high scene... Like where they're all high with um, Willoughby, he's like, I don't want to assume anything about Richard Linklater, but I will just say that he writes high dialogue very well. Like I think it's a very good scene. Um, I don't. I think he's an underrated character, uh, and and I think he's he's a good character, but it's Plummer, right? But in that scene where he's like, oh, I was thinking I had a tail. And then they're like, they're like, uh, it's like, oh, I was thinking about a shark. And he goes, sharks of tails. Yeah, that's a good one. And and it, do you find it weird that the movie ended with the interaction between Jake and Plummer? Because I just did not pin it as like when Jake is walking to class and it's Finn and Dale walking up to him to make fun of him and his little romance with Zoe Dewitch. Um that made sense to me. But then, well, I I'm guess... Way ahead. No, I know. But I, I'm just saying, I guess Plummer as a character didn't make sense. I guess because they're freshmen, <clears throat> they would be in the same class. I mean, they also hung out quite a bit, those two. Like, they were around each other of the freshmen. I, guess I, you're I, right. I think what the movie, like, is trying to do at the end is just, like, 
it's making the point of like how really unimportant college is at college. It's like almost the least important part of like oh, yeah. developing as a human being is like the classes. And so the fact that we get almost zero classes, I think is like a really like cool part of this movie. No, I, I, I agree. I, I, um, I agree. The, the other thing I want to talk about is the fight scene, the bar fight where they get kicked out of the sound machine one more time. The um, the MVP of that whole scene is Willoughby because I don't know if you guys noticed, but like as they're being kicked out, Willoughby like sees a joint on the ground and he, he goes and he picks it up and he like smokes it and makes sure it's okay. And then he's like, cool. And then he walks out with them. I don't know. I just... He also everyone... gave, the, he gave uh, the guy something like handed him something money yeah i thought it was i thought it was oh, he gave him money that. too yeah which which also is a sign that he's older that he's like oh this is how you smooth things over <laughs> yeah yeah okay so after after this this is the first time i'm noticing the little date and time sequences the little titles at the bottom of the screen it's like saturday class starts in one day in 17 hours i don't know if like saturday Sat- for me, I noticed Saturday, and then I noticed when it's at Sunday, class starts in, in 13 hours. Those are the two I noticed. I didn't notice any more after that. Or before. Uh, there's one when he walks into the baseball house for the first time. Oh, I missed that one. That one and probably is Friday, right? Yeah. I thought it was Thursday. I thought this whole movie took place Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and then Monday they had class. That's how I... Well, then, if it's Thursday, I missed the Friday title card. Well, it said like three days and 15 hours at the beginning, which means that it would have, I think what that means it has to have started on Thursday. Yeah, I think it would have had to have started on Thursday. Like, I think he gets there Thursday. I think they go to the bar and the disco place. I think they go to the disco place again on Friday and get kicked out and go to the country place. And then on Saturday, they go, they meet his punk friends and go to the punk bar and then on Sunday they have their first scrimmage and they go to a theater play the theater, the theater party yeah. and then Monday they go to class. Um before they have their scrimmage, well there's also this great scene you talked about your favorite scene being the ping pong scene, but also the knuckle flick scene uh with Nesbit and how frustrated he gets about it. He's like the rule is 2 out of 3. The rule is best 2 out of 3. You can't beat me twice in a row. Well, I think they they have those scenes back to back, and I think it was really smart because they the whole scene with McReynolds and he gets so mad that he doesn't win and he's so competitive and everybody in the room, every the whole rest of the team is all going Jake, 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 Jake because they secretly love him getting McReynolds getting all riled up about losing, and then literally the next scene it shows like three other players doing the exact same thing that McReynolds was just doing with their. Yeah, I mean, they have, they have darts going, they have basketball going the whole, there's yeah. this whole thing where Finn starts talking about the reason they're a good baseball team is because they're all competitive. They all want to win at everything. And um, the ping pong back in the ping pong scene where uh, Finn is trying to make a drink. And then I think it's coma. That's just like, I want to just fucking drink. And he's like, Sorry Roper. for trying to, it's Roper, mm-hmm. is like, sorry for trying to class up the joint. Well, the only one who's not doing anything competitive, who's just sitting around talking to Jake, is Finn. Is Finn, yeah. 
because he doesn't really care. And he says multiple times in the movie, he's like, I'm not going to be playing ball for my yep. entire life. Like, I just don't care. Yeah, he's like, I'm not. He He's kind of gotten to the realization before a lot of them that, like, I'm going to have to do something else with my life. And, like, most of the rest of them aren't necessarily there yet. Well, Jake has multiple conversations with multiple guys in the house being like, can you imagine doing anything other than baseball? And it's like, no way, man. I can't imagine doing anything other than baseball. And then he talks with Willoughby about like existential life crisis. And then he talks with uh, Finn about like baseball is literally the least important thing. And then he has a conversation with um, Beverly about like life, love and the pursuit of happening. So it's like, I don't know. It's, it's showing that Jay can have all these different conversations and relate to a bunch of different people. I think it's just to show how multifaceted he is. Yeah. I think now we're at the house party where, um, Jake puts the note on Zoe Deutsch's door. And then there's this funny part where Finn is talking to two girls and I'm like, oh, he's trying to convince them into a threesome and then it cuts to like mud wrestling, which I think is very funny. There's also a part where Plummer is being taught by Willoughby how to make brownies and he's like, he just pour half of that into the strainer and he just pours the entire fucking thing into the brownies. Didn't even strain out the little like green bits. He just put the whole thing in. Oh, so gross. I'm kind of sad that we never got to see like the, the result of like, whoever ate those brownies were high as a fucking kite that's not the point the point is like oh i know what the point is but i i I just thought it would be funny (laughs) that's college and it's all these dudes just like making the most disgusting concoctions oh like the jungle juice where they're like pouring in like all the vodka and stuff and um the willoughby and i think it's jake or is it finn playing golf on the roof uh willoughby and finn yeah but the best part I think this is what David could have been leading up to is when Nesbitt gets his ass fucking kicked in mud wrestling by that chick. I actually thought that was kind of lame. I really like to think that that was not part of the movie originally, that it was just supposed to be a scene with the, with the two girls like doing the mud wrestling. And I really like to think that the actor that plays Nesbitt would just like, this is, looks too damn fun. I want to just jump in. That's probably not what happened, but I, that's how I like to imagine it. That he just you know, jumped in. You know what it, I thought like the mud wrestling was actually kind of lame. And I think that's almost on purpose because it's like, you're like, oh, two girls mud wrestling. And then you actually watch it and you're like, oh, this isn't really all that great at all you know what i mean like and they're like barely they're both like barely into it they're like oh i wrestled you and then like the one girl smacked on the butt and i guess that's how you win and then it's like you know what i mean like i don't know yeah that's true but then when nesbitt gets in the ring with that girl and she totally kicks his ass and then she like throws mud in his mouth i was just like i was like you could see him letting her though. That was like the point of it. Like me saying, like it wasn't very well acted. <laughs> like you could see, like him, like oh, just like al- allowing way. himself to be picked up and slammed. It looked like like WWE. I, I don't think wrestling. he allowed. I didn't take it that way at all. I don't think I didn't take it that he allowed anything. I thought that that she was just m- much stronger than him, and he just got his ass whooped. No, I think that they were all sitting there acting with the two girls going woo and like pretending to cheer them on and whatever. And he just jumped in there. I really, <laughs> I really like to believe that. It was, it was done so much better in old school. That's all I'll say. 
The med wrestling in old school. I don't think I've ever seen old school. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So then after this part, um, we get the Sunday. It's Sunday. Title card. Class starts in 17 hours. Um, we get the phone call with uh, with Jake and Bev. Um, and then they meet in person and they like have a nice little day of it. And, that, and that's when she invites him to the theater party that night. I like the part where she's like, oh, yeah, you should come over. And he's like, well, how about right now? And she's like, oh, fuck, really? And then like when he gets there, like how much effort she's put in to like look good is like really... Because she's so like nonchalant as they're together and she's like, oh, come to this party. All the girls will love you. Like, or like, you know, I mean, trying to make it like, oh, I'm not even maybe even that interested in you. But like, you can see how much effort she put in to look good. Like she is totally interested in him, right? Like, I think it's just like, it's really, it's not even like, the movie's not like, hey, look at what we did here. It's just like, you notice it because like, you know, you live in, in the world. But like, it's just, it's a cool touch. So then we get to the locker room ass scene. Uh, great joke. Great prank. I love how it just does not work on Billy Autry. He comes back from like checking on his girlfriend. Jake's on the ground with the thumb in his chest. And they're like, yeah, you got to try this. You got to do this. He's like, yeah, that's cool, man. I believe you. Billy Autry like is there's like some character traits about him. That being one. And then there's some other stuff, too, where it's like, you think he's like a bumpkin and like he is sort of sheltered. He's, he's, um, we, I think like they kind of allude to him sort of being a Christian and not wanting to like screw around on his girlfriend and everything. But he is like a little bit like older and wiser than, than some of them. And so when they try and like pray, play the prank on him, he's just like, all right, guys, it's very funny. Um, it's not going to work. I don't know about that because there's other scenes that prove him to be so naive. Like when he, but I think he can be but naive. The, but that's the sheltered part, right? Like the the sexual stuff that he's just like, oh my god, she's she's pregnant. One day late. Yeah. <laughs> no, and then when they they say they see the scout painting the house, and he goes, wow, and he like yeah. gets really into it. If they like all everyone believes that, but Jake. But but then you have like that scene afterwards at the cafeteria, and I think it's really kind of a good scene from him who he's like billy autry's like man there's so there's so many like different things happening today or so many different things here and he's talking about like the professor saying there is no god and he's like what does some bonehead professor know and they're talking about god and the professor you know not saying god's real or whatever but then there's like another layer to that where he's like talking about so many so much happening here and finn looks at him and he knows he's not talking about that professor he looks at him and he's he goes yeah there's a lot of temptations here but we just got to be strong and and go right through it and he knows that that buter is talking about how there's so many women here at the college and he just like the temptation to cheat on his girlfriend is is great is like so great here um but then finn is like no man you got to stay strong in what you believe so it's and and then some other uh teammate says something similar like nah man you gotta that's i think it's dale i think dale's like yeah you gotta you gotta hold fast steadfast 
And I just love how like they get girls, they want girls, they want to sleep around and stuff like that, but they know that that's not what he's about and they support him that way. I think that's a really good showing that they're all, they all care for each other. Uh, and they're like, they understand each other's vulnerabilities. Well, it's, it's a nice difference from the rest of the movie that they're pretty much picking on Billy Peter Perkins the entire time. Yeah. Like they never have anything nice to say to him. They're always just like calling him the wrong names and calling him a bumpkin and teasing him and trying to trick him into believing stupid things. And, and then when it really comes down to it and he's actually having kind of a crisis, they're all really serious and nice and, and, um, they put away the kind of ridiculousness for a minute when they know that it's really serious. It's a nice moment. And I think the the big thing that happens here at the, uh, the baseball practice is one establishing that Jay is fucking insane. And two Willoughby gets kicked out. Yeah. We find out why later. Cause he was, I think I kind of figured it out the first time it happened when I watched it with you guys years ago that like he was just an old man because he kind of looks older. Um, But yeah, that is like (laughs) when they're afterwards, he's like, yeah, he's he's already fucking gone. And he left like uh, a Pink Floyd album in a joint. They're like, we already smoked it. (laughs) Like you could tell they did. (laughs) I yeah, I mean this movie is a comedy through and through, but I, I would say that that's the saddest moment in the movie. It's, it's actually like the only like, you know, rise of like events is like the movie leads up to this baseball. And then the big thing is Willoughby getting kicked off the team. And then it's just like a downhill kind of for the rest of the movie. Like as far as like the, you know, the inciting incident in action and all that. Like if you were trying to like chart this out as like a, a story, yeah, I agree with that. And then, you know, it's funny, too, because it's all about, like, developing these characters up to that point. And then Willoughby leaves, and then the baseball practice is done. And then the movie kind of just shifts focus on the relationship between Bev and Jake. And that just kind of takes over. Like, the only time we ever see any of the other guys is at the party. And at the very end when they're like going to class, but yeah, the movie kind of almost switches genre from like this, like hangout buddy movie to a romance, but not really. It's still a buddy movie, but he just, but with more emphasis on the romance. It's just like a moment in time. Like it's not, it's not anything. It's just this weekend. Yeah. And sometimes he's with his buddies and sometimes he's with Bev. Sometimes he's a country boy and sometimes he's a baseball guy. <laughs> he's and, a baseball. And sometimes he like it's it's that's the whole beauty of it is that there's no like pinpoint to it. It just is a thing. It just is. I've never had as busy of a weekend than those fucking guys had <laughs> in my life. Sound like a fucking loser. I um, Mister, I would have gone to bed at yeah, Mister, Mister. Let's let me just hang out with Willoughby and watch Twilight Zone, motherfucker. Yeah, it's almost ten o'clock, and we're here the fuck up. But um, I like the Canadian drinking game scene, and then uh, 
Jake having to convince Finn to come to the party because he he actually clearly doesn't want them to come. And there is like this whole. If you oh, you're say, talking about you're talking about the Winnipeg flip. I'm talking about what I'm talking about. So if you shut the fuck up, I'll finish it. But I like there actually is somewhat of a character development through like for Jake. It's like subtle and not serious, but. You know, he gets mad when they pull the prank on him and he gets like here and there. He's like, oh, you guys are just kind of fucking with me as I'm trying to like be interested in this girl. But then when he has this conversation with her and he's like, you know, when you said the cute silent guy in the back, you know, were you doing that to fuck with them or are you doing it because I'm cute? And she's like, well, you know, I um, I thought you were cute, but I never would have said it if they didn't say anything. And then also when he like when they do the ass in his face thing, he gets super annoyed about it. And Finn is like, Hey, this happens to all of us. It's how you deal with it. It is kind of a little bit like he's not used to like the kind of like the hazing and like the, you know, just like things not necessarily going his way. And so he does start to realize that like, Hey, like, you know, Finn's got a point and like, these guys are like good for me. And like, I need to come out of my shell a little bit. And so like, I think that part is cool. During the whole, like, um, the in the what's it called? The baseball mount, the scrimmage. No, no, no. The you know, when they're in the dugout, the dugout. Haha, I knew it. Um, when they're sports, sports, uh, when they're in the dugout, um, I love Finn's little explanation, explanation between the difference of a superstition and a routine. Um, and, and then that's to lead to the Pete Ward scout thing where they're like being superstitious about it, but they're all, they're all like agreeing with Finn. Like, yeah, that is the difference between a superstition and a routine. And then they're like, but look at that guy way off in the distance. That's the scout for this. They're like, Oh yeah, totally. They're, they're like, I believe it. Um, and then, uh, the super dangerous hazing with the, um, the freshman batting practice, you can fucking kill someone. It's, it's like dangerous if you hit someone in the head, but the chances of you actually hitting someone like from that distance is pretty low. I but guess. Kind of dangerous. Mean, yeah. That must have been fun for the actors, though, to be like duct taped to the wall. I, I would fucking hate that. I wonder because they duct taped one of the guys upside down, which I mean, you can really only be fully upside down for like a few minutes before you like I'm, start I'm to sure, lose consciousness. I'm sure. What so they, I wonder yeah. how they did that. They probably did it like so quick. They like put him up there, duct tape him upside down, shot the shot, and then took him off immediately. They'd have to, unless if it was some sort of rig where it looks like he was upside down, but he wasn't. Well, they did a wide shot, so you could see. Um, let's get to the party. Where Jake is the um, the white rabbit. I think the theater party is my favorite scene. Yeah. If I had to pick a favorite scene. Because we get Finn um, kind of breaking character. A bit. His like facade that he puts up. We, we get that. We get... Um... Did he tell you about his average size cock yet? <laughs> Finn, are you going to tell her about your average size cock? What I love about that is that he he's sitting there talking to this girl about his horoscope and the Dale and and Blake and Jake sorry are sitting there like giggling about him but if you listen to what Finn is saying it actually makes perfect sense 
for this character that he's been the whole time. Like, I, but you I, can tell that he actually did research on his chart and he actually memorized it and he actually thought about yeah. how it applied to his life. Like it wasn't just a fake little thing. Like he actually did that. He goes, if I were to draw like a, like a pie chart, like a Venn diagram between all the girls I got laid with her and all the girls who believed in horoscopes, he's like, I would still be a virgin. And then the freshman guy goes, yeah, but I'd rather fucking be a virgin <laughs> than to admit that my horoscope makes me a good dad. I um I want to ask Taylor this since you know you're a woman. I uh I like have known Finns in my life before, guys that are just I like I have a a begrudging respect for someone who is just so honest in like their lechery that he's like I'm here to sleep with as many women as I can. I'm not going to be an asshole about it. I'll treat them properly, but I'm open with like this is what I want. And like, I'm not going to pretend to be like a nice guy who's like, oh, you know, I mean, he does, he does like a routine with each of them, right? He tells them what, like, you know, oh yeah, I like horoscopes or oh, I like this, but just like, I think that just the openness with which he's like, yeah, this is what I want. And the, you know what I mean? I, I like, I, I appreciate his honesty. <laughs> I totally agree. I would much rather have a guy be honest and say, hey, you know, I'm a junior in college. I just kind of want to mess around and meet a lot of people. And this is what I'm interested in. I would much rather have someone say that than pretend that it was going to go somewhere and then like just kind of treat you like shit. Like at least he was honest in what he wanted. But the thing about that scene too is that Finn is you know, you find that he's always the guy who has something to say no matter what the situation is. And then when he's called out on it, um, I don't know. I think that scene is important because he's called out on it. He's made fun of it. And he kind of breaks down. He's kind of like... He's easily wounded, okay? He, he is easily wounded, but then he's like, that was actually like a really cute girl. And you guys ruined that for me. And like, you could genuinely see like he was like upset about missing his chance with that girl. He just seemed horny. Honestly, I do like how he's like, you know, all the time we're playing baseball, you guys are just talking about women. And now there's some women around and all you guys want to do is talk about fucking baseball. I love that. I I love at the end too, when uh, the girl who like rejected them in the beginning comes up and she's like, what? No line. He's like, nope, I'm the silent type, which is his line. His yeah. line is like, I'm going to say nothing and this is going to work and then it does. Yeah. No. Um, I, so that's the scene where Jake is the white rabbit and they're doing that like Alice in Wonderland faux dating show. Uh, Plummer goes, is the Queen of Hearts a dude? And then someone goes, I don't know. And And just the delivery of that is so funny to me. I love that whole scene where he has to fill in as a white rabbit and she's so into it and she's got a little voice going and she has a wig and she's very like in character. And then he pops in. He's like, sup, I'm late. Um, And then all his friends are like, woo! And then he's like, peace, son. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Yeah, I love that. And I like, I, it's a cute little exchange because he, they really don't have any, like, their big interests that um, Bev and Jake... Yeah, it's opposite of each other. It's, like, complete opposite. And they really have nothing in common in that area. 
And so when he gets on stage and he can't act, act at all and it, like doesn't even know how to try, it's real. She finds it really cute. And I just love that little exchange. I have to say, like, after they're in the river together and he's talking about his his Greek baseball paper to get in college and stuff like that. Um, I just found that really genuine. I really like that scene a lot. Like, I think, like, I believe their budding romance at that point. Um, and actually, it's probably one of my favorite scenes in the movie is the is them on the tubes in the river. And it's like, it's the calm. It's like the, the most calm the movie has been this entire time. Yeah, there's something so honest about it. Because like you were saying, when they're leaving the party and they're walking to the river, and he's like, do you actually like me? Like, it was so, like, people don't usually do that. That's not something, like, I would I would never do that. I would never, like, to someone I just started talking to, be like, did you did you mean it when you said you liked me? Like, I would never do that. But he's just so honest, and he's like, I really want to know. And then when they're in the river and they have that exchange, it's just, it's so honest. It's not something that, like, a usual romance it's not really going to go anywhere. I mean, like, how many romances do you have? Like, quick romances in college? That's not something that would happen in one of those. Well, even, like, at the end where they're going to class and they're breaking off, um, and she reveals that she's going to New York as soon as she's out of here, you kind of actually see him hurt by that. You you're at, you actually kind of see him, like, oh. Like, he gets it, but also he still, like, stands there and, like, waves goodbye. Final thoughts, David. Um real true blue final thoughts that's great um just a very good hang which is the intention of the movie so it's great taylor final thoughts um it's the best movie ever if you want a non-traumatizing movie that is just you smile like you just smile the whole time like it starts my sharona you smile and then you don't stop smiling until the end of the movie. And then the credits roll and then they all wrap and then you smile throughout the entire credits. It's just a good time. It's just a feel good, character driven, good time. She makes it seem like we uh, we do traumatizing movies most of the time. You David. do. You really do. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of I Finally Watched. I'm Milan. And this is David, and I finally watched Everybody Wants Some. Bye.